Pick Last Prof JC, and we are continuing in the the booklet that we started in last week. Charles Koch. Uh, it's the PDF. I guess it's not really a booklet. It's a PDF uh, where Charles Koch, Koch kind of lays out his philosophy for Coke Industries. And so the title of his PDF is Continually Transforming Coke Industries Through Virtuous Cycles of Mutual Benefit. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks is going to be this idea of virtual cycles of mutual benefit. You say, well, why are we talking about this in a class that's supposed to be about mission? Well, well again, kind of what we explained in the last couple of weeks, you've got your, uh, you've got your PV, PVM. In this class, we're only worried about the M, which is your mission, but it's your principles, values, purpose, vision that leads to your mission. Mission is how you get the job done. Mission is if, if you want to build a business, then the mission is the exact steps that you're going to take to build that business, whatever that looks like. Okay. So you say, I want to build a business that I don't know, makes pins, right? So you're going to make pins. This is from the hotel I'm staying at here, but maybe you want to make pins. Okay. Um, the way that you make pins, I am submitting to you over the next few weeks is to go based on mission. And what that means is how do you create something that is mutually beneficial for you and for the customer and for the client? Okay. You say, well, I'm not going to be in business. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to create pens. I'm going to be a nonprofit X, Y, Z. Well, it's the same thing. You've got to do something that is mutually beneficial for them as well as being beneficial for you. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. This idea of mutual cycles of mutual benefit or virtuous cycles of mutual benefit. So it's mutually beneficial, but it's through virtuous cycles. Okay. So it's not a, it's not approaching the marketplace with how do I enrich myself? How do I make a name for myself? Right. In the for-profit state, in the poor for in the for-profit industry or or business, it would be how do I enrich myself? But often in nonprofit or for religious leaders, and we'll have people who come to our programs who are pastors or they're you know they're in some kind of a religious community. We have you know several of those. If we're not careful, it's about making a name for ourselves versus ser- it's always about serving the marketplace. I don't care what it is; it's a hundred percent. 24-7 about serving the marketplace. And so that's that's this idea. That's the transformation of the mindset to say it I'm 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 living based on mission, which means I'm living with the purpose of serving the marketplace. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I own a break shop, you know, if I own a uh if i own a plumbing business whatever it is i am serving the marketplace that's that's the that's the key okay so i get very passionate about this cuz i really believe in this and when you begin to serve the marketplace i was talking with a group of leaders the other day and what's cool these were a group of leaders from a company that i was doing a training for and they are um they're they're well along in their years they're all probably close to my age in their late 30s 40s, 50s. And one of the responses that somebody gave, we we were kind of talking about, you know, why we live and what's the purpose and all that kind of stuff. And they talked about at this stage of life, it's no longer about, it was a generations class. Um, And so we're talking about being of 
an older generation in the workplace, it's it, it's often no longer about the money or the promotions or all, because all that's been had, right? When you're 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe not 40s. I mean, I, I'm still climbing. I know people in their 50s still climbing, but especially when you get in your kind of later 50s and 60s, in, in the in the workplace, oftentimes you kind of hit the maximum spot you're going to hit. And sometimes in your 40s as well. So what you do is you begin to turn around and you say, it's no longer about that. Now it's about adding value. But here's here's the thing that I found is that if you could transform and where I talked about this, so I'm just really passionate about this. If you can transform your mindset now and say everything I do is about adding value to the marketplace, adding value to my clients, if I can get this fixed now, everything that you want is going to come to you when you put the customer first, when you put the client first. And I and I can't even tell you, you know, you know, so again, and we're going to get to our point here in just a second, but um so I teach here at Point Loma, uh, but I also do work in the marketplace. And there's a consulting firm I work for that's based out of Denver. And so, for instance, we were given this uh, assignment that was handed to us actually from another consulting firm that they couldn't take. So they kind of subcontracted out to us. And it was one class, but it was for a major Fortune 500 client. It was one class. And... um and so the guy gave it to me. He said, I don't want to do this. It's just one class. You're going to have to do a lot of work to build one class, and we're never going to get this class again. Well, I told him, I said, I'm going to build this class, and I'm going to make it so I'm going to do the best I can to add so much value and make it so good for these people. That I think it was a group of like 17 leaders from this Fortune 500 company. And I said, they're going to call us up and say, we want you to continue to do that. And so there was actually some other person who had the class before. And it was her class, and she she was contracted to teach this class for this fortune thousands of dollars to you know to teach this class. But she decided to take a couple or, or this one class off because she had some family things. Can't fault her for that. But the marketplace doesn't move like that. And so I said, well, we're going to step in and we're going to do so good that they're going to that they're going to give that contract to us. And they did. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, but I spent an entire week on that training. I mean, I poured over it and poured over. It. I gave everything I had to it. And it wasn't because I wanted to take the client away from someone else. That that wasn't the goal. It was really because those 17 people who signed up, I heard the reason why they were taking this class. And it was a class on self-empowerment. It, and it was for a bunch of leaders who lacked self-confidence. And that's more common than what you think it is. And these are major leaders at a Fortune 500 company, and they still let. And I said, I'm passionate about that. And so I wanted to add more. Just going in there with the mindset, I'm going to add value. And if they never hire us again, great. But I'm going to do so good, you know, and this training is going to be so good for them that they're going to want to have it back. And that's what happened. So the reason why I tell you this, again, not to pat myself on the back, is just to say this, that when we take the mindset of adding value to the marketplace, not about us, okay? It's not about you. It's not about me. Uh, that's when everything transforms. So that's what he talks about here, the virtuous cycles of, mutu- of, of, of a mutual benefit. We'll talk more about that. The most important thing that I want to talk about today, as you come down in the PDF, last week we talked about this idea of self-actualization, what you can be, you must be reaching your full and highest potential. But then he comes down after that, and then we get down to, uh, let's see here, it's about page six, page five or page six. Um And it talks about that leaders at every level have an essential role in fostering a culture of self-actualization. Effective leaders not only live by our guiding principles, they regularly review them with their employees and provide frequent and forthright feedback that stimulates dialogue and change, all this stuff. Um, 
it comes down it says to become self-actualized i'm on page five here employees must internalize our guiding principles through study and regular practice until they can apply them instinct instinctively self-actualization is the last principle uh, because it only comes about by internalizing the other seven principles. So these are the principles from Coke Industries. Integrity, stewardship, and compliance, principled entrepreneurship, transformation, knowledge, humility, and respect. All are necessary for success. And then he says, yours, mine, and the company's. And then it says this, and this is what I want to talk about today as we kind of wrap up our time. Coke Industries will continually flourish only so long as you and I as individuals continually develop and improve ourselves. We all must become lifelong learners, committed to finding new ways to contribute. Fortunately, since everyone has a gift, and I believe that, and I hope that you believe that, since everyone has a gift, we are all capable of meaningful contributions. With the right mindset and support, everyone can better themselves by bettering others. And, and, and then he says, I hope that these pages will inspire you to become the best you can be. But then right underneath that, it's got this little line here. It says, we all must become lifelong learners committed to finding new ways to contribute. Here's the thing I want to talk about today. And I just want to share my screen as we wrap up our time together today. Uh, this is something important for us. Um, this, this idea of lifelong uh, uh, learning is something I get very passionate about, continuous learning. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, that's fine. You don't necessarily need this. But on the video, I'm actually showcasing um, a little video here that talks about what it means to be a lifelong learner. So, so this is what Charles Koch is talking about. One way to live a life of mission is to make sure that we are consistently learning, 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 growing and learning. So it's a commitment to lifelong wisdom acquisition. Okay. Now, here is a uh, here's a saying from a gentleman by the name of Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger, uh, he just passed away at the end of last year. He was 99 years old. Uh, he was a billionaire. I think he was by the end of his life was worth like $2.1 billion, but he was actually worth much more than that earlier. He gave a lot of his wealth away. He was the senior partner to uh, Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett would say that this guy right here, Charlie Munger, was one of the reasons why he was so successful. Uh, he really credits Charlie Munger for a lot of his success. And Warren Buffett, you've probably heard of him, one of the richest men in the world. Well, Charlie Munger talks a lot about this idea of mental models. And one of the things he talked about is uh, that, that he talks about is wisdom acquisition is a moral duty. Wisdom acquisition. And I think he stole that off of somebody else or whatever, but that's kind of what he's known for. So here are a couple of things that he has to say. Charlie Munger on Lifetime Learning. Another idea that I got, and this may remind you of Confucius too, is that wisdom acquisition is a moral duty. It's not something you do just to advance in life. And that's what we're talking about here. Living on mission is not just about advancing in life and getting more promotions and being more famous and having a bigger name. It's it's not about these things, okay? Wisdom acquisition, Charlie Munger saying, is a moral duty. And there's a corollary to that proposition, which is very important. It means that you're hooked for lifetime learning. This goes back to what Charles Koch, these are two billionaires talking about the importance of lifetime learning. And without lifetime learning, you people, so Charlie here in this, he's he's talking to a group of college students. I think he's at the University of Michigan. And he says, and without lifetime learning, you people are not going to do very well. You're not going to get very far in life based on what you already know. You're going to advance in life, but what you're going to learn after you leave here. If you take Berkshire Hathaway, so that's the company, uh, uh, that's the company that he would represent. 
um, uh, that he worked with uh, for many years with Warren Buffett. If you take Berkshire Hathaway, which is certainly one of the best regarded corporations in the world, it is. It's I think buying one of their stocks, like Class A, I think their Class A stock, most of us could afford their Class B stock, but it's either their Class A or Class C or I'm not sure which one it is, but it's, I want to say it's, it's thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars for one share. And I could be wrong on that, but I want to say it's almost like $300,000 for a share. I'm actually going to look at that up real quick. I know I'm taking a little bit longer here, but I, but now I'm Berkshire Hathaway. I'm trying to get this down here. Class let let's see class a stock okay so that says 368 uh 368 a share maybe it's the class b stock class b i'm not sure okay what is uh class b stock price stock price okay so that one's saying 368 a share which is i mean that that's pretty expensive let, let's look at the Class A uh, stock price. Okay, no, okay, so that's the one I was talking about. Their Class A stock price is $556,000 to get one stock. Okay, that's how valuable of a company this is. Okay, so that was a, I just got off track there, but I want you to know how important this, this company is. And again, these leaders of these companies really do believe this. They're philosophers, okay? So it's certainly one of the best regarded uh, corporations in the world and may have the best long-term investment record in the entire history of civilization. The skill that got Berkshire Hathaway through one decade would not have sufficed to get it through the next decade with the achievements made. Without what, so, so this is what Charlie Munger would say, without Warren Buffett being a learning machine, a continuous learning machine, the record would have been absolutely impossible. And he goes on to say here, uh, the same is true at all walks of life. I constantly see people rise in life who are not the smartest, sometimes not even the most diligent, but they are learning machines. They go to bed every night a little wiser than when they got up. And boy, does that help, particularly when you have a long run ahead of you. This is so important. Okay. It's this, it's, it's this idea of lifetime learning. So the questions I would ask you, okay, what are you reading? What are you studying? And what are you working on? So here's the questions that I want to ask you today as we wrap up our time. Uh, what is wisdom acquisition? Just, just, just kind of define what that is based on what we just talked about. Why is continuous learning so important for personal and professional development? Just write an answer to that, two or three sentences, okay? And then I want you to answer these questions right here. What are you reading? What are you studying? And what are you currently working on? And it may just be this, you know, this program right here. It might be your master's degree. And that's fine. You may say, I don't have time to read anything else outside of this. This could be it. But if this is it, that's great. Hey, you're going for a master's degree. That is awesome. Only 13% of the population goes after a master's degree. You're part of that 13%. So this could be it. But maybe there's something else you're doing. Is there something else you're reading, something else you're studying, something else that you're working on? And feel free to answer those. And I look forward to reading your responses. Wisdom acquisition is a moral duty. It's all about continuous learning. That's part of the way that we live a life on mission. I'll see you in the next podcast, everybody. Hey, we've been a little bit long today. So next week, I'll take a little bit of time off and I'll try to make it a little shorter, but I'm so passionate about this. This right here, what we talked about today is key, continuous learning. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you in the next podcast. Have a great week. Take care.